Dave and Moore's parents lost both their home and business in the flood of 72. David got a job with the city of Rapid City Urban Renewal, who helped clear the floodplain and relocated residents and businesses. Their job was to help Rapid City recover, rebuild, and grow. I'm David Moore. My wife and I were living in Colorado, and the phone rang one Saturday morning. My grandmother also lived in Colorado, and she told me, David, I can't reach your parents, and there's been a terrible flood. Flood? I hadn't heard anything about a flood. So I tried my parents as well as my grandmother who lived in South Rapid, and I could not get through. So I called my uncle who lived in North Rapid. Flood? Oh, no, no, there's been no flood. We had rains, yeah, but there was no flood. And I just nicely hung up from him, and the phone rang again, and it was my dad. And he said, David, there's been a terrible flood. We've lost our home and our business. And he began to weep. First time I ever heard my dad weep. He said, I'm broke. Well, we concluded the phone call shortly thereafter, and my wife and I and our little daughter, about 10 and a half months old, took off for Nebraska so we could leave our daughter with my mother-in-law. And we were planning to come on up to Rapid. However, she had heard we could not get into Rapid. The police had all access to Rapid blocked off. So Sunday morning we came up and we found my parents at my grandmother's place. My dad, who rarely listened to my mother, had taken advice on Friday evening and had gone to his mother's place in South Rapid, which was totally secure. But indeed, they had lost their home and their business in the flood. So as soon as possible, we began helping them salvage anything or whatever we could from the damage. Some of the buildings were damaged to a lesser extent, some quite severely. In fact, um, one had even floated down the, the creek. So my wife and I worked for about two weeks with my dad and mom on cleaning up things, salvaging what we could. And... It was really a very nasty mud because it also had sewage mixed in with it. So we had to be sure and get our tetanus shot. Shortly after we started working, we, we got that shot. So we continued to work with him. Fortunately, my dad had known a banker, and the banker had been able to trust him for many years in various projects, and so... My dad began to borrow some money and buy other properties when and where he could. And he did not apply for an SBA loan at that point in time. SBA was in town and they were giving out $5,000 loans, which they subsequently forgave. And occasionally there were people that were unaffected by the flood that nevertheless went in and applied for the loans. But my dad... Being a hard-headed German, chose not to do that. He was just going to fight back on his own. The uh, situation gradually improved over the course of that summer. And by November of that year, I was hired on with the City of Rapid City Urban Renewal. This was the first time that Urban Renewal mon monies had ever been used in a flood disaster situation. And it took a special act of Congress to allow us to use those monies. We had $68 million in 72. 
which was a lot of money in 72, to rehab Rapid City. One of the first things, of course, that became necessary was to clear the floodway. So we began acquiring properties according to the rules under urban renewal, which would allow us to acquire properties and then give the owner of the property an additional 15000 to purchase replacement property, and based on the number of rooms in the house, up to $500 moving expense. So in that uh, time period up to probably 76, we had about 95% of the floodway cleared. We relocated approximately 4,760 families and or individuals out of the floodway. We also cleared about 150 businesses. One of the sites that uh, no longer seemed appropriate in downtown Rapid City was Black Hills Hide and Metal. It was located where the new city hall is now. And you could routinely drive by there and smell the sour smell of the battery acid, the transmission fluid, whatever had been dumped into the ground. And two people have told me that you could commonly smell the hides in the fall of the year. Well, as I say, that didn't seem to be appropriate anymore. Furthermore, flood level had been at 52,000 cubic flow per minute. And based on the work of the engineers from the military, we felt that it was necessary to clear the area to the 14,000 cubic flow mark, which was designated as the 100-year flood mark. So we went through the entire city and cleared that area. As a result of that, then we rebuilt back the park system that runs seven miles through the city. And I'm very, very pleased to have been a part of that. And it really helped change not only the appearance of Rapid City, but the mental attitude of the average individual in Rapid City, in particular the businessman. And that was a delight to see because now we had businesses that really wanted to be in Rapid City, or if they were here previously, they really wanted to stay because it was a much more attractive city. And uh, people began to move into the area from outside the area, other parts of the state, and even other states, because it was so attractive with the parkway seven miles long, you could ride your bikes, hike, whatever you're going to do. That was a significant improvement, as you might guess. In addition to that, in clearing the floodway, we did eliminate several businesses that were right along Omaha Street. Not that they were not viable businesses. They were able to recoup to a large extent after the flood. There was um, an alignment shop down there, Olders Alignment Shop, and there was Bell Automotive, quite a number of businesses. Most of them we were able to relocate and they continued to operate. Some of them chose to go out of business or to leave the area for whatever reason. But um, clearing that 14,000 cubic flow mark was a substantial improvement. Now, admittedly, that meant that we acquired some very expensive houses on the west side of town. And, of course, in some situations, all we had to acquire were vacant lots because the flood had either taken the house or 
when the contractors came in after the flood, they came in as, from as far away as the West Coast, and they were paid by the truckload. So sometimes the house that was totally intact got bulldozed because they wanted to fill that truck. And there were up to three feet of topsoil taken out in some places, again, simply because they wanted to fill the truck. And I have a story related to that in that uh, a man who worked for AT&T had a home on the west side of town. They had bought a new television, so it was setting up on top of the old console television. They had bought a new couch. They had put it up on top of the table in the kitchen before they left. And they secured the house as best they could, got out of there. Well, of course, after the flood, he was working 24-7. And things were quite chaotic. Trucks coming and going, bulldozers operating front end, loaders, so forth. Well, he had checked on his house on one occasion, and everything still looked fine. However, there was a sign on it that said, this property must be fixed or repaired within 30 days or it will be destruct destroyed. So about a week later, he was out in that general area. So he thought he'd swing by his house and see how things were doing. Well, the first time he had been in it, the clothing, for example, his wife's dresses and things like that were pretty well ruined because the water had gotten up to there. Did not reach the couch, did not reach the television, and a few precious items they had actually stored in the attic. Well, when he went by, to his amazement, the house was gone. Even the concrete slab was gone. So there were stories like that that we heard, of course. The other thing, of course, that was difficult to deal with in when you were relocating people is to hear the stories of the family members that were lost. One man lost his grandmother and his aunt. His grandfather managed to survive, but his grandmother, aunt, oh, and his grandmother's mother also perished in that same flood. And so people would tell us about, they would rush down to the water, they would hear the screams, but it was all dark because all of the lights had gone out. And the only place that there was any light is where there was a fire from a broken gas main that the electricity had set off. But um, it was truly a war-like scene when we came in from Colorado to Rapid City because not only did you have the chaos of the buildings that had been in the turmoil of the flood, but you had evidence of fires. So I was very pleased to have had an opportunity to work with the city of Rapid City in urban renewal first, and then later in community development, we got funds that we could rehab existing homes. And having gotten the opportunity to write up the SOP, I aimed the program at the senior citizens because they were facing the dilemma. What do I do? Do I buy my groceries? Do I buy my medicines? Do I pay the gas bill? I don't have money to fix the house. Fortunately, we did have money that we could come in and, and uh, restore the homes, which maintained them so that they were livable. When they would sell, they would sell at a better rate. 
and the homeowner didn't have to choose about fixing the house, buying the medicines, etc. And another interesting fact about that was once we started rehabbing a home in an area, other people, even if they couldn't qualify for the loans or grants that we had available, would begin to improve their homes as well, which was a really nice effect to see a given area have several homes that were rehabbed. Leonard Swanson, also known as Swanee, uh, was the head of the project. He had been a former city engineer, and so he supervised. And his right-hand man was um, Arnie Hansen. group that you worked for really rose to the occasion. Yes, yeah, we really did. Despite the common themes and some shared experiences among the survivors, each story stands on its own because each offers a perspective as unique as the individual sharing it. We thank this episode's guests for sharing their memories and observations regarding the events of the night of June 9, 1972, and its lingering aftermath. If you have a personal account of your experience during the flood of 72 that you would like to share, we'd like to hear your story. Contact the Rapid City Public Library at 605 394 6139 or email ask at rcplib.org.